Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Hello, faithful podcast listeners. Pastor Adam here. Hey, we wanted to just give you this uh, quick announcement. First of all, I want to say how much we love you and thank you for listening to this sermon podcast on the Potter's House Church here in Virginia Beach. And just wanted to give you a heads up. We're making some changes to this podcast uh, that's going to benefit you and also our ministry here in the Potter's House Church. So just to inform you, we've switched our podcasting host. It's a service called Anchor, and that has allowed us to uh, receive and generate some income through the placement of a couple of advertisements during our podcast. So we just wanted to inform you of this change because going forward, you are going to hear one or two 30-second ads during each podcast uh, sermon. So um, as a result of that small inconvenience on your part, it means that our church can monetize these podcasts and also that means that we can receive some financial support so that we can continue the work of winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. So we just wanted to say thank you again for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing these messages. And thank you for your patience as we make this helpful change. We hope you have a great day. God bless. Wake up in the morning, or for those of you who work at night, the reason that you wake up at 6 p.m. and go into work and work those shifts, the reason that you're doing that is not just because you're pre-programmed to do so. The reason is because you have to wake up to go make a paycheck, right? There is a reward. Otherwise, why would you do it? There is a reward. There is a reason why you have to shake yourself. You have to set an alarm and say, I have to get out of bed today. Because there is work to be done and there is a paycheck to be made. There's a reason why we shake ourselves to get out of bed on Sunday morning. Some of us with greater ease than others. There's a reason why we shake ourselves to to discomfort. You know, it would be very comfortable just to stay in your bed all day. Very comfortable. Very easy. Some people fall in love with that comfort. Fall in love with that convenience. But if you stayed in bed all turn into a 500-pound behemoth and not produce anything good with your life. Today, I want to uh, begin with this illustration. And uh, for those of you uh, who came along with us to the men's disciples, I think only Chris uh, heard this. I want to use an illustration. Have you ever seen uh, a man or possibly even a woman who chases after another person in relationship for all the wrong reasons? Have you ever wished that you could grab that person and say, why are you chasing that woman? She might look good, but she is no good for you, right? 
or a woman chasing after a man for all that you wish you could just grab her by the shoulders and say that man's not interested in you. You wish, you know, if you have some wisdom in life, sometimes you look at a, a, someone who's pursuing a relationship that you know is going to end up in tragedy. And it happens when, uh, when a man chases a woman for the wrong reasons or when a woman chases a man for the wrong reasons. And the reason you want to shake them is because you know that in a bad relationship, hearts can get broken. Lives can be destroyed. Children could be born and then have to custody battles and, oh, Lord, help us. Right? You wish you, before it all started, you wish you could just shake them and say, wake up. You're chasing the wrong thing. What we, what we really should be chasing is a sense of fulfillment or God's will in relationship. Well, I want to uh, use that example because I believe some people are chasing the idea of comfort ease and convenience as a romantic relationship oh if one day i could get to the place where i could just be comfortable where i could just take it easy the the american dream of retiring on the beach somewhere and getting some some tucked away cabin in the woods and i'll just sit by the fireplace and i'll be comfortable I want to tell you that that is a bad romance. I want to shake you a little bit this morning because the pursuit of comfort and convenience only leads to heartbreak and tragedy. If we spend our lives chasing the almighty dollar, how many know the dollar will disappoint? Even on the back of every dollar, it says, in God we trust. If we spend our lives chasing after what only makes us feel good, it is a romance that will lead to heartbreak and tragedy. In the scripture that we're going to read, we're going to find the early church that in some ways has grown comfortable. We know that the early church in the book of Acts went through many, many things. But there came a time when God had to shake them. There came a time when God had bigger plans than what they could see with their own eyes. And in the the verse we're going to read is the, the moment where God begins to make them uncomfortable. Now I am praying this morning that God would dislodge that love, that pursuit, that romantic pursuit of comfort that some of you have. Today, Because what we have this morning is we have a world that is in need. We have a city that's in need. As, as our children are getting ready to go back to school, there are students in need who come from broken homes, right? We say, uh, I just was reading some, some statistics this morning, and I read that more than half of all children are coming from broken homes now. And so you go to school and realize that those children are in desperate need. And uh, if we're not careful, we can fall in love with the idea that living for God is just going to be comfortable. I can just go to church, I can just do my thing, and hey, not so tough, right? But my prayer is that God would make us a little uncomfortable today. Let's read this scripture. 
This is in book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to the Jews. Let's skip back to that story that he referenced there in Acts chapter 8, verse 1. This is the, um, the stoning of Stephen. Saul was one of the witnesses. He agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. And a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered. Everybody say the word scattered. Through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the blessing of discomfort. God, I'm praying today that you would press us, God, to believe you for great things. And God, that we would embrace all that you are going to do with our lives. And we thank you for all that you are and who you are this morning. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we're here this morning on a World Evangelism Sunday. Some of you are wearing clothing that indicates that you have invested in nations of the earth. That uh, people have brought back these uh, bright and shiny clothing for, for you to wear on Sunday morning. Uh, but the reason why that we instituted World Evangelism Sundays and the reason why we still have them to this day is to put out a call that we desperately need men and women who are focused on the mission that is at hand. And that is because this is exactly what we find in the Word of God. When Jesus came to the earth, as he's giving instructions to his disciples, he is very similarly focused on a world that is desperately in need. Mark 16, 15. He told them to go into all the world. Everybody say, all the world. All the world, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. That from the very beginning, even there as he is commissioning them, he has been risen from the dead, and now he's giving his marching orders to his newly established church. The first goal on the list is to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now that was a very lofty goal at that time. It is even loftier today. We live in a world where nearly 7.5 billion people on the earth about a third of those have not even heard the name of Jesus and are on their way to hell without a Savior. And so today, the goal is even further away than it was at the time that Jesus spoke those words. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Say all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. John 20, verse 21. Again, he said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. 
How did, how did the Father send Jesus? He kicked him out of heaven. Right? Baby birds got to leave the nest. The Son of God needs to leave the presence of heaven and the worship of angels to be born into a manger, to live a life in a sinful world, to have to face temptation, to get spit upon and mocked and crucified and shed his blood and give his life so that souls could be saved. As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. Do you think that that call has changed in the 2,000 years since he spoke it? Can you still see that the call from heaven is to go? There are many forms of going. We understand that. Not everyone here is called to, to be a literal missionary, living their lives away from home. But we are called to go in our own homes, called to go to our community called to go to our neighbors, knock on their door, called to go to our co-workers. You are called to go to your neighborhood, to your city, to your family. You are called by Jesus to go with your life, with your finances, with your time and with your efforts. That's why the church exists. We are not here to provide for you all of these wonderful programs. The church tries to be a blessing. We try to spiritually nourish your soul. But the whole reason why we're doing that is so that you can go. You can go in your prayers. I'm often amazed in a prayer meeting. As I sit down to pray in my mind, I might be sitting in the same spot saying a prayer, but my mind, as I'm praying, communicating with God, my spirit begins to go. God, I pray for those people in Myanmar that we met four years ago. I pray for those, those people that were in that Bible study. And so I might be sitting in one spot, but prayers, how I many know, can travel. They can go. That's why a person who doesn't have a prayer life can't really do much for God. And it's no surprise to me that you won't go in other areas of your life because you're not going in your prayers. We are called to go. So much of what God is trying to do in your life is all in that one little tiny word, go. Because the word go makes us uncomfortable. Think of the very first word that God spoke to Abram. As he's there in the Ur of Chaldean, he has a life, he's got wealth, he's got family, he's got support, he's got homes, he's got blessings. And the very first thing we read about Abram, that God spoke to him, and what did he say? Go! Get out from your family, get out from your comfort, get out from the place that you know how to live and how to work and how to deal, get out of there Pack up all your belongings, pack up all of your family, and go. That's very uncomfortable, Lord. That's very inconvenient. You know, I've got a lot of stuff going on here, right? And yet, it is, is it any wonder why we understand that Abram 
is the father of our faith because he simply responded to God's call to go. Can I just remind you for a moment this morning that it is easy, easy, easy for us to fall in love with our comfort. Like birds in the nest. A place of familiarity. A place where we're comfortable, where things don't have to change. God understands that this is a great temptation for our souls. And that's why He warns against it so often in the Word of God. Proverbs 1.32 Simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. Everybody say the word complacency. You know what that means? Comfortable. I'm in my spot and I'm not moving. I have feathered my nest and made it comfortable for myself. And God says that's a danger. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. Deuteronomy 32, verse 15, speaking of God's chosen people, Israel soon became fat and unruly. The people grew heavy, plump, and stuffed. They abandoned the God who made them. They made light of the rock of their salvation. Do you know why? Because they didn't follow God's advice. They went into this promised land that was filled with blessings. They lived in houses that they didn't build. They drank from wells that they didn't dig. They enjoyed the blessing of not having enemies attacking them every day. And they got comfortable. I want to make the point this morning that you and I live in perhaps the most comfortable generation, in the most comfortable culture, in the most comfortable nation that has ever existed. <laughs> All the amens quit. I don't know what happened. Maybe I'm, I, I, I'm hitting a point here. Oh, we can get comfortable. This is also why I love international impact teams. So that you can get a chance to see how people live in real places. What we have here in the United States is it's a dream. It's heaven on earth compared to many places of the earth. We spend our lives seeking after convenience and comfort. This week, all the rage has been on the internet that there is a new fried chicken sandwich from Popeye's. Everyone has been comparing Chick-fil-A to Popeye's. Everyone has been talking about, they've been tweeting about, posting about this. Everyone has been putting up their YouTube videos with the comparison and the Chick-fil-A sandwich. Oh, that's okay. And the Popeye's. <gasps> right? <laughs> Meanwhile, there are people who have real problems in the world. Can I just remind you that we are living in this bubble of fantasy world where the worst problem that we have is trying to decide which fried chicken sandwich tastes better? Can I shake you a little bit this morning to realize that you live in the most prosperous, blessed time that has ever existed on planet Earth? And if we're not careful, that comfort 
that convenience can lead to spiritual destruction. Luke chapter 12, verse 16, Jesus tells this parable about a rich man. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, just so you know. And he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. Successful. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. Then I'll have enough room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. I'll sit back and say to myself, oh, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to become. Now, take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. I'd say there's few scriptures in the Bible that describe the American way of life better than that story right there. That is the American dream in action. A man who is successful, he takes the proceeds of his success and he builds a greater amount of ability to store his wealth. That's, that's an American success story. And as at the end of that story, he says, oh, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. If you go visit the golf courses of Virginia Beach, you will find that person. Eating, drinking, and living life. And we look at them as great success stories. But how does Jesus view this person? God said to him, you fool. You fool. Feel it. God wanted him to be uncomfortable. You fool. Why? Because you will die tonight. Then who will get all these things you've worked for? Jesus comments on this story and he says, A person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth but does not have a rich relationship with God. I want to tell you, wealth is not evil. I pray for some some Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled rich people, right? It is not a sin to be wealthy. But it is a sin to be wealthy and to be poor with Jesus. Jesus rebuked this man in his parable, and he said, called him, you fool. You fool. Sometimes we need to be shaken out of our comfort zones. You remember the story of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus asking, Oh, teacher, master, tell me, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus gives them the list. These are the things. If you do this, if you do that, if you uh, honor your father and your mother, you don't steal, you act like a good Jew, like a good Jew boy really should live. And he says, Oh, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I've been careful to do those things ever since I was a youth. And you remember what Jesus said to him next? He says, oh, and it's so amazing to me that Jesus looked at this man. The Bible says that he loved him. He loved him. But the next thing that he said made this man very uncomfortable. He said, take all that you have, sell it, and give it to the poor. Now, God doesn't say that to everybody. But he did say it to this rich young ruler Jesus gave him that commandment because he understood that this wealth of his life was getting in his way. It was making him too comfortable. If you would just sell what you have, 
Give to the poor. Then you'll come and follow me. Join the club. You can be one of the merry band. It could have been the 13 disciples. The Bible says what? That he walked away sorrowfully. Too comfortable. Too comfortable. James 5, verse 5, the brother of Jesus. He says, you've spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying every desire. You have fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. So, God has a gift for comfortable people. Are you ready? (laughs) God has a gift and a blessing for you today. You know what it is? Persecution. (laughs) I am not pronouncing doom on you this morning. I'm just telling you, this is how God will shake you out of your comfort. Remember, God... Uh, Jesus called us the salt of the earth, right? Salt of the earth. Do you remember where you keep your salt in your house? You keep it in a very specific thing. You call it a a shaker. The problem with so many of God's people is we sit on the table while God's trying to shake us. Can God shake you a little bit today? Because salt is not effective as long as it stays inside that little glass container. Salt does nothing. In fact, if the salt remains there here in the south where it gets all kinds of nasty in the summertime, and it, you, know, you go to restaurants, you see the little rice grain, and the reason is they're trying to pull the moisture out. If, if you just let a salt shaker sit there for too long, what happens? It becomes a stone. A big clump stuck together. Some of God's people, you're sitting here today, and that's you. The moisture of comfort has soaked into your soul, and your heart has become a stone, and God's trying to shake you. Nothing's coming out. God wants to shake us. Because salt only works when it has contact. Salt only works when it is in physical contact with with the food. I want to tell you, if you are the salt of the earth, then God wants to put you in contact with somebody that needs help. We isolate ourselves in our ivory towers of religion. And we say to ourselves, I'm doing okay with God because I go to church or because I make sure to pay my tithe or fill in the blank with your religious work that you are sure to do. But if you don't have contact with sinners, if you don't give, if you're not challenged, if God can't shake you, are we really the salt of the earth? And what did Jesus say about the salt that becomes flavorless? He said it's good for nothing but to be thrown out on the street and tread upon. Can God use this big old salt shaker? Can we see this room right now as a salt shaker? God wants to pick this place up 
and take us out to a certain neighborhood. Shake us out. God wants to take your wallet this morning. I got my wallet here. It's not much to look at. And shake a few things out of there. Because it's only when we can be shaken that the world can be changed. This is, this is the example that was used in the scripture that we read in Acts chapter 8. From the beginning of the book of Acts, we know that the center of activity was there in Jerusalem. This is where Jesus had been crucified. This is also where he was risen from the dead. This is where all of the action was taking place. This is where on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says that they were all gathered together in a prayer room in the upper room, and the Holy Spirit was sent to empower the church of Jesus Christ. It was all there. The the people were gathered on this feast holiday, and from the nations of the earth, they were passing by, and they noticed this prayer meeting, and God empowered them, and the apostle Peter stands up to preach, and thousands of people begin to live for God. What a great story. As you begin to turn the pages in the book of Acts, and no doubt you've read it, it is a fantastic account of how God begins to give blessing to the church of Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, they pray for a lame man at the gate, and he is healed in Jesus' mighty name. They begin to, uh, it, it only begins to, to blossom and to grow there in the city of Jerusalem. They stand before the Sanhedrin. They uh, share in all things. The account of Ananias and Sapphira takes place. God is warning His church to remain holy and true to their word. The people of the synagogues and the people of the temple didn't know how to handle this growing movement that was happening under their noses. In the book of Acts chapter 6, Stephen is chosen to wait tables. Great ministry. They said, we got to find somebody to wait the tables. And the Bible says that they had to search throughout the church to find somebody who's holy, who's righteous, who has a heart for God. Why? Be- to, you know, to fill the, the glasses when they get empty. And they chose Stephen, a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen spends the next chapter, chapter 7, preaching to an angry crowd. They accused him of blasphemy, and he launches into what is maybe the greatest sermon recorded besides Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And he spends chapter 7 preaching an entire history of the Jewish people. And he ends up with the final call to salvation. He he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Bow your heads and close your eyes. They didn't take it too well. The crowds that were gathered overtook. And they stoned him to death on that day. And now, the attention turns in the scripture where we read in Acts chapter 8. It says that Saul was there. Saul, the great persecutor. Saul, the one who had been charged with with killing the Christians and stomping out this movement to the best of his ability, and he loved it. He enjoyed it. 
he later testifies that it was he thought that he was serving God by doing this work. And in the scripture that we read, we read this again. It said a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. So far, from chapter 1 all the way now to chapter 8 of the book of Acts, all the action is taking place right there, centered in the city of Jerusalem. That's the beginning, the genesis of the church of Jesus Christ. It's all there. But God, how many know, has bigger plans? God didn't want to just save Jerusalemites. God didn't, the blood of Jesus was not just shed for the Jews in Israel. The blood of Jesus has the cleansing power to wash every stain of sin as far as the four corners of the earth. But in eight chapters, the gospel hasn't made it past the city boundaries. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And so, in order to get the good news message, the gospel has to go beyond Jerusalem. What does God have to do? He has to pick up his believers. He has to pick up his church. And he has to shake them. (laughs) And that's exactly what's happening here in chapter 8. It says, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered. Say scattered. Scattered. Throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Isn't that interesting? Because that's exactly where Jesus said to go first. He said, you will preach this message in Jerusalem. And then in Judea, which is the larger uh, area. And then in Samaria. Samaria is the area that is the place where Jews don't want to go. It's the place across the train tracks. It's the place where the hated people. We don't like those people. But Jesus says you will preach in Jerusalem, in Judea, then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. And so as this persecution arises, it says that exactly they went to Judea and Samaria. The only ones left, it says, except the apostles. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made a great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church entering every house, dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Now, let me ask you this question. Is that positive and encouraging news? (laughs) You know, I thank God for our our local Christian radio station like K-Love, and they play nice music, and they say it all the time, positive and encouraging, (laughs) K-Love. And I think to myself, hmm, I think that's only half of what God has for us. On this day, the church was not experiencing positivity or encouragement. The church was being shaken. The church was being persecuted. Saul, God was allowing Saul to persecute his people. And it wasn't that God is the author of evil. God's not sitting up in heaven with joysticks in his hand saying, Yeah, woohoo, I get to hurt my people today. God is not the author of evil. But God is big enough to use the evil of men and the persecutions of the world for his purposes. He's able to take 
the difficulties that we go through. He's able to take the shaking that we experience and to turn it for the good of his kingdom. Because from this moment, the church expands beyond the boundaries of the city of Jerusalem. It expands. And there it says in in the book of Acts chapter 11, the scripture we started with, just fast forward a couple chapters. Acts 11 verse 19, it says, Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death. That's exactly what we just read in chapter 8. And now fast forward to chapter 11. Those same believers, it says that they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch. They preached the word of God. God is using the evil that they are experiencing. And he is causing them to preach this gospel. He is causing the commission to be fulfilled. I want to tell you, beloved, if all we do is seek comfort, if we refuse to embrace the shaking of go into all the earth and preach the gospel, then the will of God will go undone. You know, I, I've seen this work in my own life. <laughs> do, do I enjoy giving up my comfy bed for a week every year? And like last year when we went to Nigeria, those who were there, you can testify, that was not comfortable. We, we were in a bed, and thank God we were safe, and everything was okay. But that was not a comfortable mattress. It felt like we were sleeping on a piece of cardboard. And it and uh, it was hot. It was, man, there was bugs. It, it was miserable. Amanda can give you a good story from when we went to, uh, when we went to Tanzania. Wow, we, we went to this place, and in the middle of the night, I heard screaming. Ah! Oh! Ah! <laughs> so I'm thinking, you know, some crazy person with a machete. But no, and lights come on, and and, and so I go to see what's going on, and, and there, there was a cockroach about the size of my hand that was <laughs> crawling through her room. Listen, I don't enjoy those kinds of things. I don't enjoy eating strange food and having my stomach boil for three days afterward. But that's not why we do world evangelism. We do it because of the testimonies that we hear afterwards. We do it because of the souls that are saved. We do it because people get saved, healed, and delivered. And the gospel message goes out. None of that's possible unless someone is willing to be uncomfortable. Is that you? Are you willing to let God shake you a little bit? Are you willing, beloved, to exercise faith? This is exactly what Jesus had predicted. Matthew 10, verse 23. When you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you've reached all the towns. That's still true to this day. So some of you, let me prophesy, and we're going to close. Some of you have been asking, why is this happening to me? Why am I being shaken? Why are my finances so difficult? Why? 
Are my children rebelling? Why am I experiencing difficulty? Is God trying to shake you this morning? Is God trying to get your attention so that He can put you in the place where you need to be? I wonder if the church of Jerusalem was like many churches today. Would they ever have left the city? Would they ever, if they were seeking comfort and ease and convenience like, like we do here in America today? The reason why I believe, the reason why America still exists is not because of how wealthy we are, not because of our military might. The reason why America is still around in 2019 is because we are still the number one nation that sends missionaries into other nations of the earth. Without that, America already would have been dead. We still send missionaries. There are still people who are willing to be discomforted for the sake of the gospel. What about you today? What about your finances? Can God shake things up? Can God change your plans? There was a time in my own family, Pastor Campbell, you know, we had our plans set. We had an idea of where we were going. But Pastor Campbell put a monkey wrench. And it wasn't just him. It was God. An opportunity for a nation I'd never heard of, Bulgaria. And he said, if you're willing to go, then I'm willing to support. I said, I don't know if I'll be comfortable. I don't know, can I find uh, Snickers bars there? (laughs) But before I knew anything about that nation, I said, I'm willing to go. I'm willing to take my young wife. I'm willing, pastor. And I want to tell you, God blesses that so, so much. He continues to bless those decisions. Fall out of love with comfort this morning. Don't pursue her. She won't fulfill you. Fall in love with the will of God. God will shake us so that we will embrace His will. Let's bow our heads. And close our eyes. For just a few moments, God calls us to do things that are uncomfortable for us. And aren't you glad that he does? One of those things that he calls us to do, one of those uncomfortable things, is repentance. You know, it's really embarrassing to repent. What are other people going to think? If I go up there and pray. What if, what if, uh, you know, what if people find out who I really am? And, you know, we, we have these thoughts that run through our brain, but if we could just for a moment, with heads bowed, with eyes closed, the reason we do that is so that we all can have a moment, personalized moment with God. A moment to reflect on our own relationship with the God who made you. And who wants to save you today? The question is, 
Are you in a right relationship with God? Have you repented of your sins? Are you living for Him today? Have you been born again? It's more than just religion on Sunday. Are you right with God? Are you on your way to heaven? Maybe you've come here this morning and the truth is, the honest truth is, that all of your religion, add it together and pile it up, it really hasn't meant very much. What you need today is you need an experience with God. You need to your sins to be washed away. You need to be born again. And you can have that now if you repent. Repentance is when we simply confess our sins and trust in Christ to save us. And if that's you here today, that's what you need to do. I want you to do something for me. Would you just lift up your hand? Yeah, it's not comfortable. It's not easy. Maybe. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website, vvph.org, and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.